Hey, everybody, we're back. Yeah, we survived our first episode of the Beards and Dead on the Run, and uh, we thought we'd try it again and see if anybody would want to watch one more time. Hey, Beards, good to see you, bud. Hey, good to see you too, Dunn. And uh, yeah, we're, we're back at it for episode number two. Yeah, what have you been doing since the last episode? Well, I just, honest to goodness, about an hour ago, I just pulled back into Bemidji where I live. I was out in Chamberlain, South Dakota, doing some walleye guiding out on Lake Francis Case, the Missouri River System. Nice. And just got home. Uh, we're doing this. Then I got to wash clothes. Jill, my wife Jill's already down in Oklahoma City. Uh, she left this morning on an airplane, and I'm leaving tomorrow morning, and I'm speaking at the Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon this weekend, and guess guess who's going to be there? And we're going to have him on our podcast Who? down the road. Who's going to be there? Bill Rogers and Joni, Joni Benoit Samuelson. Wow. And you know these two. You've known Joan and Bill. I call them by first name, even though I've met them once in my life. But Over they're friends of yours. Yeah, yeah. And so you're friends. And there's you think there's an opportunity they might come on our podcast? Oh, I know they will. I, I'll, I'll talk to Bill and, and, and Joni when I see them this weekend. And I, I can't say 100%, but I'm almost certain they'll be more than yeah. happy to. Now, this may be surprising to you, but I think I will be tongue-tied to have Bill Rogers or Joan Benoit on our program because they are like, they're, they're heroes of mine. Done. We should, in case people don't know who these folks are, you know, if there might not oh. be runners that are listening. So, folks, Bill Rogers was... they. Back in the mid-70s into the early 80s, they, they called him the king of the roads. He, he won Boston for the first time in 1975, and he went on to win three more. So he won four Boston marathons. He won four New York, yeah. New York City marathons in a row, and he was going for a fifth, and that will be another story we'll talk about down the road. Yeah, somebody tripped him, if I remember right, did Somebody tripped him. Oh, my God. I wish I knew who that was, man. And then Joni Benoit Samuelson... Joni uh, won the uh, Boston Marathon, I think, the year you ran in 1983. Yeah, you know, we might have a photo of somebody running right next to Joni during the Boston Marathon yeah. when she set the world record. In fact, I think that individual was critical of her setting, you know, was crucial to helping her oh, set the record that day. she was pacing day. off of that guy. I think he was. She was drafting him like she was sucked to him like glue. And that's a story for another day. And but what Joni is most famous for, she was a tenacious runner back in her day, and at, she's 65, 66 now, and she still competes at that senior level. But uh, in 1984, so next year it'll be 40 years, she was the very first gold medalist in the first Olympic women's marathon that was held in Los Angeles. And I remember when she broke away about three miles, Greta yeah. Weitz was in the race, who was one of the favorites, oh. and they, nobody went with her, and she she came into that stadium with 100,000 people cheering. It gives me shivers thinking about oh, it. I remember, and I think some of the, the broadcasters were like, oh, my God, what is she doing? You know, like, that's way too early to, to, to leave the, the, what, right. the security of the group, you know, to lay your cards on the table that early in a marathon. You know, a lot, a lot of times people are going to hold back that first half, you know, to see how they're feeling. Obviously, she knew how she was feeling that day. Yeah, but done. When we, I'm getting we goosebumps. Get, oh my gosh! I know. We uh, will get so Joni on, and I can't wait for her to talk about that. All right. Well, let's kind of get back. You know, we left off. We were talking about high school, and and those were, those are some interesting days. And and I'm still kind of amazed to think that you know, Dick, you've had such an outstanding running career, but at the end of your high school senior year, 
your running career, as far as you knew, was over. There was really no coaches knocking down your door trying to sign you to a, a, a full-ride scholarship. Uh, you had, you know, no aspirations that, oh, yeah, I think I could do this for, for you know, a living, a career. You decided what when you graduated high school? Yeah, so, so done. When I, I got there with school, and I was, you know, I, I've been a fishing guide since I was 12, but my dad really kind of discouraged me. You can't make a living as a fishing guide. Well, I, <laughs> I, I proved him wrong, but, but so I, uh, I wanted to go to uh, some kind of an agricultural college, and I, basically I was going to come back, have a dairy farm, and, and do some guiding also. And so, you know, I wasn't the greatest student. I got C's, some D's, and, and I just... So I probably couldn't have got accepted in a lot of spots, to be honest with you. But there was the University of Minnesota slash Waseca, which was about 80 miles south of the Twin Cities. And it was right in the heart of southern Minnesota farm country. So I went down there to take a look. And uh, so they were giving me a tour. And um, on my when I told them I was coming down, you kind of had to fill out a little application. And they said, did you ever do any sports in high school? And I happened to put on there, I ran cross country and I ran track my senior year. So I get down there and I get introduced to the uh, a college chemistry professor, Dr. John Fulcrod. Well, he just happened to be the cross country and track coach. I didn't know they had a program down there. And so he met with me and he really encouraged me to come on out. And, and uh, that's what I did. And that's, uh, it was, and he was a wonderful coach. I'm still close to him. He was, he did so much for me. And I, uh, you know, he, he turned gray in his hair way before his time because of me, <laughs> because of me. <laughs> I, I'm sure I can't wait till we get some of your other coaches like Scott Underwood. And I think Scott had a full head of hair before and you were only there one semester and he lost half of his hair. I know it. <laughs> All right. Now, you know, before we go into I, I'm really intrigued how, you know, your first season at Wasika went, how you prepared for that. But I heard a common theme for you and I, and I, you said you, your kind of your goal is maybe to go into dairy farming. And it's no big, I grew up on a dairy farm. And, you know, my brothers and I, we look back now, and I, I know you always look back with what you call rose-colored glasses. And sometimes, you know, when you're stressed at work and you're, you know, it just seems like the phone's always ringing and people need you here, need you there. You know, farm life was pretty pretty non-complicated it was a lot of hard work but it was fairly routine and maybe that's why we became distance runners because we fell into you fall into a routine and as long as you're following your routine things get done yeah and, and you're willing you know you're willing to do that that hard work so i went mm. on to Wasika in the i got there in the fall of 1975 and uh, went out for the cross-country team and there was a a kid on our team his name was keith hausman and he was from Litchfield, Minnesota. Unfortunately, a few years ago, he passed away and he got in a, a construction accident, I think. But he was the stud on the team. He was really, really good. And But I was pretty much our second man. And uh, we had, you know, we probably had 10 guys out for the team. And we qualified for the National Junior College Cross-Country Championships my first year. So here I am. I... I'd never won in a state meet in Minnesota in cross country or track. Now all of a sudden I'm running in the national <laughs> championship for junior college. And it was held in Rochester, Minnesota. So it was, you know, quite close by and done. I remember I, I had never been so nervous, so uptight before a race. 
and I, I ran terribly. I was just so uptight. And I remember I got done with that race. I mean, I gave it my best shot. I got done with that race. And I remember thinking, I am never letting myself get that, uh, what's the word I'm looking psyched for? Psyched out? Yeah, psyched <laughs> out about uh, about an event. So I didn't run very well, but you know, I'd fallen in love with the sport of running. And then we, we had track you know, the following spring. And our, our track, our college did not have its own track. They uh, had a community track in the small town of Wasika, and it was a cinder track. So we never ran on, you know, rubberized track or anything like that. And But it was a, it, the the school really supported cross country and especially our track program. A lot of the teachers, professors came out and helped. And we get, a lot of the community would come and watch our meets. And, and a lot of that is because of Coach Folkrod and his wife, Linda. You know, they really... Uh, kind of talked about it in the papers a lot about our meets and everything and it was you know if I would have gone on to like the University of Minnesota at, at you know the Minneapolis St. Paul campus I wouldn't have been invited on the team as a walk-on even and so if I would have gone there I would have never had that opportunity to continue they just happened to have this program and I happened to you know meet the coach the very first day I went to visit and he, you know, he, he was a wonderful coach and uh, just made it fun. And he really knew his stuff. And, you know, he was, he had no problem getting me to run enough miles. Like we were talking earlier, Mike, uh, this morning on the phone, you know, we needed somebody to kind of put the reins on us so we wouldn't run too much. Exactly. So, you know, between your senior year and that first cross country season, then you were running through the summer. You didn't take this, you know, you didn't take the summer off. You knew you no. were going to be racing. And so competing. once I, once I got out of uh, high school, you know, I graduated, I went and, and my, my folks wanted me to go into college. I really didn't want to, but they wanted me to. So mm-hmm. I went and looked at the Waseca right away. Well, then when he told me that they had this cross country team and stuff, so I pretty much continued to run through the summer. I wish I could remember how many miles I was probably running 40, 50 miles a week or something like that. And, okay. and came in there and, uh, and, and, and ran for the, we were the fighting Rams. <laughs> I never, okay. Very yeah, good. The, fight, the fighting Rams. And, uh, back then there were, there was probably eight or 10 community colleges throughout Minnesota mm-hmm. and North Dakota that we were in the same conference with each other. And, and at the time the, or, uh, golden Valley, what was the name of that? Golden Valley Lutheran College. Yeah. They were a powerhouse. Were they in the Twin Cities? They were. Yeah. Yep, in, in the city of Golden Valley, right on the outskirts of Minneapolis. So they were a powerhouse. So we, we'd run against them. And they were a private college. So they, the coach there recruited, gave scholarships, stuff like that. All of us other community colleges, we didn't you know, have anything <laughs> like that. So they would just stomp on us. I mean, big time. So you finished that first cross-country season. And, you know, winter comes, you're doing going to school, running, but you're kind of thinking in the back of your head, okay, track season will be coming when the weather breaks in the spring. I don't know if they had an indoor uh, season back in those days for you guys. For us distance guys, we would go, we'd go out and run outside, even in the middle of the winter, but we didn't have any indoor facility at Wasika. <laughs> but you know what? We Because it was an agricultural college and one of the programs there was equine. So they had this big indoor horse arena, you know, with dirt and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So on a really bad day, we'd go out there and we'd run inside this stable and stuff. And, and then 
uh, Coach Chuck Peterson, he coached, he was the head cross-country track coach at Mankato State University, a big, you know, big university about 35 miles away. And so him and Coach Folkrod were good friends. So in the wintertime, we would go over there probably three times a week to practice on this beautiful indoor facility. I, I ran on that track. Yeah, yeah. But, but we had to do it after they were done with their practices, you know. Sure. But that was a big deal to go and run on an indoor surface like that. And then we did have some meets over there. And uh, and I did, one year I, I qualified for the National Junior College uh, 5K Indoor Championships. And that was held over in Detroit, Michigan. And that was my second year when I was there, I qualified. But so my running continued to get a little bit better when I got into college because now, you know, two miles is as far as I could run in high school track and three miles for cross country. But now all of a sudden I could run 10,000 meters in track. And it seemed like the further I ran, the, the better I just kind of seemed to do. So I was very fortunate and it just continued to progress. Now, I know I read, you know, We'll get into, you have a world record for progressive personal bests in the marathon. That's a yeah. Guinness book of world records. Like you haven't done enough in running already, but your very first, I know your very first marathon was the Pavo Nermi, which I think is just a, what a great name for a marathon. Cause he was such a fantastic, famous Finnish runner back in yes. the thirties or whatever it was, twenties and thirties. And I don't know that much about the race. I know, is it in Wisconsin? It's in the little town of Hurley, Wisconsin. And done. It's they celebrated their fiftieth running of it about five years ago. So what year? You might have been in one of the first. I mean, I'm not that you're that old, but you know when when did you you ran that as your first marathon while you were at Wasika? Yes, in in the August of 1977. So that would have been your first year, second year. It'd been my second year. So yep. you're, and it was in the fall. No, it was in uh, in August. So okay, that, so you're right before you started school? Right, yes. Okay. So it would have been, yeah, so it would have been right before the fall cross-country season of 77. So I thought, you know, I heard about this marathon, and I, I was kind of intrigued by it. But I think my longest run was probably like a 10-miler, you know. But, you know, when you're a young buck, you think, you know, I was 21. So I went and ran this thing, and and I, I, I remember I was running with this older guy for about five miles, and I'm just yapping my jaws the whole time. And he, at about five miles, he turns to me. He says, Dick, he says, you can keep flapping your jaws all you want, but I'm not responding anymore. He <laughs> says, it takes a lot out of you. And I kind of felt kind of bad, you know. You talking to other people? I'm surprised at that. that yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but I, you know, I finished, but I, oh, done. I was, those last eight, nine miles, I was a hurting buckaroo and, but I came across the finish line. I, I ran two two hours, 47 minutes and some change. And I remember thinking, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> it, it felt that bad. And then, you know, I ended up running another one that uh, couple months in October that year. Um, <laughs> you have a bad I, memory. <laughs> well, and here's the deal. We had, we had a cross-country meet on Saturday, and I didn't tell Coach Volkrod, I signed up for the what they called it. It was called the City of Lakes Marathon at the time, which kind of a prelude to the Twin Cities Marathon now. So I ran that one, and I think I ran like 237 or something like that. And after that one, I really swore I'm never going <laughs> to. <laughs> you know, the first one wasn't painful enough. You had to go back and do it again. I had so to go back and do it again. You did one in August. You were running cross country, ran a race on Saturday, and then on Sunday, 
Was your season over at this point, or did you still have more cross-country oh, races? Oh, no, no. We still had a few more meets up to go. <laughs> <laughs> you had, oh, my gosh. I, I think Coach Underwood is probably, you know, thinking he had it pretty good after what you did to Coach Folkrod. Well, so then we we didn't qualify for the um, – in 77, we didn't qualify as a team, but me – and one of my teammates, a real good runner, his name is Owen Dickey. And Owen still, he farms down in southern Minnesota, and he still runs every day. And him and I qualified for the Junior College National Championships in New York City, out on Long Island. Wow. So we fly out there with Coach. He rents a car, so we get out onto Long Island. Now, we'd never been to New York before. You know, we're honking country bumpkins in this big, biggest, one of the biggest cities in the world. So the next day, it was the day before the cross-country meet. And Owen and I wanted to go into New York City and buy something for our mom. Or I don't think we had, either one of us had a girlfriend at the time. And so Coach Folkrod let us use the rental car. So I'm, I'm driving, and Owen is looking at a map, and we finally get into downtown New York City, and there's no place to park. So I look down this one side street, and I see no cars parked there, and there's no signs or nothing, you know? So we parked her there. We walked all over New York City and stuff. So it's getting kind of late in the day. So we thought, well, we better get back in our Long Island. So we walked down to where our car was parked. No car. I'm thinking, Owen, are, are we on the right street? And he goes, yeah, but he goes, our car is gone. So we're thinking, what are we going to do? You know, there were no cell phones or anything like that. So we're walking down Fifth Avenue. It's about 6 o'clock at night. We're sure Coach Folkrod is going nuts, wondering where the heck we are. So all of a sudden, we come up to a stoplight, and a, a, a truck pulls up to it and stops. And I, he's towing a car. And I look at it, I go, I go, Owen. I go, gosh dang it, that looks like the, the original car. Oh he said, no, it couldn't be. And in the back window, I could see there was a gift I'd gotten for my mom. I said, Owen. That's our car. So the guy still at the stoplight. So I go up and I jump up on his 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 step to the his cab and I knock on his door and he rolls his window. I said, "Sir, I go, I go, Jeepers, I go, that's our car you got there." He go, I go, "Can you can you just drop it over here on the corner?" He started laughing. He goes, "Gosh, guys, I wish I could, but I can't. I got to take it to the impoundment." But he says, "I'm not supposed to do this, but hop in, I'll take you there." Oh my so he God. takes us into this dungeon down underneath the street where all these other cars are torn. And we go up to the, the desk and they go, it's going to be a hundred bucks to get it back. Well, be, between us, between us, we had a hundred and one dollars. So we give them the money. They give us the car. By the time we get back to Long Island, the hotel, it's like nine o'clock at night. And we go up, we knock on coach Folkrod's door and he's in a room with a bunch of other coaches. Oh my gosh, he gave us the riot act. I mean, we were both had tears coming down our eyes. And he, he goes, get the H back to your rooms and you better run well tomorrow is all I can say. As soon as we walk out the door and closed it, him and all them coaches just burst out <laughs> laughing and stuff. So, done. I could go on and on. I'm taking up too much time here. <laughs> this is awesome, bud. I, that, I, I think I remember a little bit of some of that, but that I couldn't recall all those details. So the odds of you, obviously you parked in a no parking zone. But there were no park, there were no signs that said no parking. But there no were parking. no other cars there. No. So somebody knew something you guys didn't. 
Your car, you leave, who knows, you're gone for a long time. Right. And about the time you come back, car's gone. You're looking around for your car and happen to see it getting towed down the street. Yes. I mean, in New York City. In New York City with how 8 million the, people. Yeah, and how many city streets? Right. And I know. Hundreds it might, and hundreds of miles. Done. It was just by <laughs> dumb luck that we happened to see <laughs> oh it. Because uh, we, we wouldn't have known where to even go or to say, do you think somebody stole it or, you know, or impounded it? But I'm, I'm glad you're still with us, Dick. You could have <laughs> disappeared in New York City. Nobody ever heard of you oh, again. Oh, I know it. I mean, it's amazing. And so... um. And you happen to have $101. I mean, no, neither one of you guys had a credit card. No. Uh, you know, no, ch- between the two of us, honestly, we had $101. We had $1 left between us after that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Woo. Good. Good. Well, that, that was an experience. How did you run the next day? I got to so ask. So, you know what? Um, we both ran well. I finished <laughs> in, the, you know, there was a couple hundred guys. I finished in the top 50 and I ran... It was a five-mile race, and I, I ran like 24.30. For, for me, that was like my best time ever. And I think Owen ran somewhere in the 25, so he ran really well too. So, you know, Coach was pretty happy with us about that. But, you know, I, I could go on about I Seriously, Coach Folkride, how he put up with me um, is beyond me. I even <laughs> wonder to this day. Well, I wonder about... Me too. Sometimes. Anyway, let's go back now. You're you're finished up. That's cross country, but then track your your sophomore year. I know I re, I remember hearing or I know I've heard you maybe tell the story. In one track meet, you ran the mile, the three mile, the six mile, and the steeplechase. I did. So here's what happened. Oh my gosh. So here's what happened. So now this was in spring of '77. Um, yeah. So. I always, we had a big, our big home meet on Saturday morning. And so I was down helping coach chalk the track. So he's at one end of the track and I'm at the other. And he was over by the the house at the, the, the little building where they stored all that stuff. And there, there was a phone in there because all of a sudden he starts screaming. He goes, and I'm at the other end of the track. Beardsley, get, and he goes, Get the hell over here. So I go, yeah, coach. I run over there. I go, coach, what do you need? He goes, did you make up that, did you make up that dairy science test when you were at the national indoor championships? I go, you know, coach, I guess I kind of forgot about that. No, I didn't. He goes, you're ineligible. And he said some not nice words and told me to get the, you know what, out of his sight. So I run back to the college, and I run into uh, a friend of mine that was on our team, Jim Headington. He was a high jumper. He was about 6'8", you know, <laughs> and I, I told him what was going on. Well, at this point now, all the, the professors have all gone home, and I will not mention the name of my professor, but he was a single guy, and we always, you know, he dated lots of gals. <laughs> so somehow I was able to convince, and he was gone for the weekend, I was able to convince a janitor to let us into his office. And we looked through his desk, seeing if he had like a little black book with a bunch of phone numbers in it. Oh so, gosh. done. We're going through this book. We called about six or seven different gals in his old black book. <laughs> and on about the eighth one, I go, yeah, it's professors, oh, so-and-so there. Well, yeah, just a minute. So he gets on the line and he was a big track fan. And he goes, 
here's the deal. He goes, I will be there tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. to give you a test. And he says, all I can say is you better pass it. So Don, I stayed up all night. Guys on the track team took turns quizzing me, going through all this stuff. I was drinking Diet Cokes like they were going out of style. And I didn't sleep at all. So I take the test. I get an 85. So I passed. He calls Coach Fulcrod, says, Dick got an 85. He's eligible. So Coach was still not happy with me. So we get down there to the meet. And I ran. I thought, I got I to gotta help. I mean, I kind of get back on the coach's good side. So I can't remember what order they were, except I, I, I no, yes, I can. I ran the 10,000 first, then I ran the steeple, then I ran the 5,000, and then the last event of the day was the uh, the mile run, and I ran them all. And, and I'm, I, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging because I'm not, but I won them all. I won them all, and... <laughs> And I was dead beat at the end. But I thought, gosh, you know, and coach, to his credit, he tried to talk me out of it. He goes, he goes, Dick, you're not running all four of those events. I go, no, nah, coach, I need to. I need to. I, I, I got to get back on your good side. He says, you're not on my bad side. I, but anyhow, I convinced him to let me do it. I was fortunate to win all four of them. And uh, You showed a little potential there, I think. Yeah. For, for things to little, come down the road. Things to come. So that was pretty that's amazing. I don't know if they even allow athletes to run all four events anymore. Probably not. I, and you hadn't slept the, uh, the whole night before. No, I, I was up all night studying. Oh and like I said, you know, I had a diet of Diet Coke. That's what I had all night. <laughs> probably a couple bags of chips or something. You, you probably know? couldn't have passed a drug test at the meet. <laughs> You're so yeah, jacked too much up caffeine. on caffeine. Yeah. They, <laughs> they check for that now, you know. But anyway. I know it. That is that's amazing and so okay let's let's kind of recap here you've ran uh two seasons you've run two marathons you're kind of rolling towards the end of your sophomore which your final year right at at the at uh, Wasika, and they which is amazing to me junior college has a national cross-country event and they have a team competition and an obviously individual. Yeah, it's, a, it's well. a national championship. And I think they still do it to this day. I, I don't they, know. They actually, you know what? They don't. Well, they, oh. they, they have it. They cut it back from a marathon to a half marathon now. All right. So it was a full marathon. And, you know, you're a runner and you've run marathons. And was it your idea? Did Coach Folkrod, you know, think, well, what, Dick, you might as well do that? How'd you, how'd you get lined up into that? Yeah. So Coach Folkrod said, hey, guys, and there was three of us, myself, uh, Bob Franzen and Jerry McNeil, they were both underclassmen to me. And they they liked to run long distances. And I think they'd both run a marathon. And so Coach, he uh, said, hey, guys, you know, there's this National Junior College Marathon Championship. And we need three people as a team. Would you guys, you know, want to run it? And I was uh, for sure. And Bob and, and Jerry were too. So, you know, we upped our mileage. We did some 20 milers together and everything. And we went out to Dewajik, Michigan. And it's in the southwestern part of the state, very hilly. And it was held like mid-June. It was like 75 degrees at the start, you know, very, and a very hilly course. And I finished, I finished, I finished either third or fourth. And if you made top six, you got, you know, uh, you were considered all American and whatnot. And Mike, the guy that won it that day, you will know who he is. Uh, Malcolm, no, it wasn't Malcolm Malcolm East. East. Yes, I remember. 
Yeah. Was went to Allegheny College, but he was from England, and they were a very very good or junior college program, and they they recruited athletes from around. But yeah, Malcolm East, who went on to become I think like a two eleven marathoner, he won the race that day. Wow. And I got third or fourth. Well, because when we, the first time I ever heard about you was after that. I, yes. I think, you know, and, and this will probably lead into future episodes when we maybe get into the SDSU days when with you. Um, but I think, you know, we had heard that, you know, you were a marathoner. That's kind of what we remember hearing about you and that, that you were an All-American, you know, in junior college. And remind me what your time was. Do you remember the what marathon? you ran? I, yeah, I ran 231, I think, or okay. 234. I think yeah, it, was it was 231. Yeah, low 230s. Yeah. And um, I'm trying to think, of course, I would have been like a sophomore, junior. And so my times are right around in that same area. So when we heard about this guy named Beardsley who might be coming to South Dakota State, we were kind of aware of that, that you weren't just a um, flash in the pan or something like that, yeah. if you would. So done. So we kind of, you know, Got talked a little bit about my after high right, school. Right, right, right. So now, okay, here you are. You're done with high school. You're a state champion in cross country. Now, how about that spring? Did you compete oh, yeah. in track? Did you win a state championship no, in track? No, I, I, you know, I was really looking forward to my senior year. Um, I We had a really good distance runner named Greg Halling at Lennox. He had all the school records, mile and two mile. And, uh, and so I, for two or three years going to high school, I'd stare at that. We had the record board. I think most high schools, I think they still do. They put up the best high school records they had at that school. And I'd see those every day. I had those memorized. And, you know, I never <laughs> met Greg Halling, but I want to, if I ever, if he ever, I hope he's still around doing well. Thank you, Greg, because you were my inspiration. You know, you have to have a target. You know, when, when you, if there's somebody up there, you go, I wonder if I can do better than that. You know, and so that right. was always my challenge. And, but after my cross country season, uh, yeah, I was thinking, man, I'm going to just drill. I'm going to have a great season. I was really looking forward to it. I wanted to run a marathon. I was planning to run the Brookings Marathon that fall. I used to hold it in like November. I'm not making this up. And um, it was in November. And I thought, I've been, I had actually done some, some 15 mile runs in high school. And I thought, you know, I think I get. I feel pretty strong after cross country. I'm going to run a marathon. And, and I, I was, you know, I, I just thought that really intrigued me. And I was playing basketball one day, like, you, you know, like high school kids do pick up, yeah. pick up game. I came down and turned an ankle. I thought Ouch. I had broke it. It sounded like a rotten board Oof, breaking. I was convinced. I thought, Oh my God, I just broke my ankle. And I had to, they had it like my buddies carried me into the locker room. And I think they went and got one of the coaches or something. And they came down there. My ankle was all puffed up and swollen and they called my mom and I said, it's broke. I said, I heard oh. it. I heard it snap. And, uh, they said, Oh man, you know, and they called my mom. They, my mom had to drive us 14 miles from our house to Lennox. And she came and I told her mom, I broke my ankle and she, you know, they hauled me into the car. You know, that's how you did it back in those days. And right. She drove me to my doctor's office. The guy who delivered me was still our no family way. doctor. Yeah, it's like I'm 17 now. And uh, I, they hauled me in there. I don't know. I hopped in there on one leg. And they took me down to x-ray. And he came back. And he goes, well, I got good news. Your ankle's not broken. I go, what? I couldn't believe it. He goes, no, you pull the tendon off this, I don't know what it's called, your malleolus down there with that big knob that sticks out of the side of your ankle. Yeah. He said, yeah, you, you, you tore that thing off. And he goes, and you're really lucky. Because sometimes part of the bone comes with it. Right. And then we have to go in there like and 
and screw that back together because it won't heal with that tendon pulling no. on it all the time. But he goes, in your case, it didn't. It was a nice, like, clean snap, I guess you would. Cheapers. And the guy, he needed, he he sat there, and my mother said, I think he really enjoyed it. He was a military doctor back in the day. And he said, yeah, a lot of our guys would get what they call march fractures, and he'd have to treat them. March fractures are stress fractures, we call them now. But he, he taped my ankle like a cast. It took him forever. I mean, the guy had like athletic tape and he started taping on my ankle and he, and I'm amazed because it was so swollen. It, but he, and I think I had to go back and have it retaped after the swelling went down and he basically put a cast on me and I couldn't walk on it for like weeks, you know, two to four weeks. I was just like incapacitated. Well, you know, my confidence went out the window. I'm not running. I'm not training. You know, right. and, and finally, and it seemed like it took forever. Well, curse the cast or the splint or whatever you want to call it. So it finally came off and, you know, you're kind of, and it was winter time, icy. And I didn't start running. I'd taken off like all of December, January, February till March. It was like the season. Now you got to remember the track season in South Dakota is like about a month long because of the weather. Because we don't really get started with outdoor track till maybe in April and then the first of May is the Howardwood Dakota Relays. And then shortly right. after that's your conference and then state meet. And so I, I basically had to go into high gear starting in early March. And I remember I, I got out and I started doing long runs, trying to build up my base and stuff. And I only got to run, if I remember why, we only, because of weather, we had so few uh, all-weather tracks in those days. We had cinder tracks as well. Yeah. That I think I ran in five total track meets my senior year. So my opportunities are very limited, but I'm, I, I'll make a long story short. I did get the school record for the mile and the two mile. And which so I was, was what, which is uh, what I ran like, well, no, we ran miles. Now they converted it to meters because they run right. 1600 and 3200. So my times in the mile was like 425, which converts to like 423.6. That's I think. good. And my two mile was 941, which transfers into like 938 for 3200 meters or whatever it is. And so, uh, I'm still like number three on the all-time Lennox list. And, you know, after 40 years, a couple guys came along and, and good for them. I, I'd like to think I was their Greg Halling. You know, right. if your name's up there, then they go, I'm going to get that guy. I'm going to get, and they got, and that's good. You want those kids to get you. And so I was, you know, pretty excited. And I wanted to go to South Dakota State. And I thought, you know, after winning the state meet, I'd, I'd get a scholarship. And I remember the University of South Dakota offered me a scholarship. It wasn't oh. a full ride, but it was, yeah, you, but USD was the freaking arch rifles of South Dakota right. state. It's like, the, and they didn't have much. I wanted to go into physical education, kind of, you know, looking down the roadways and, and there's, they had an archaic gym. They did now they have a dome, you know, if they would oh, have had the nice. dome, then I might've switched my decision, but I really wanted to go to South Dakota state. So my folks and I went up and we visited with Jay Dirksen and, and we basically just cut to the chase and said, you know, is there any chance I'd get any athletic aid, you know, financial aid. And now done. Jay was the coach, the head correct? coach track, track and cross country. And he was the, the, the director of that running camp I'd gone to th for three years. So he had seen me, you know, come from basically nothing to where, you know, I was, did pretty well by the time I got out of high school. And, and he said, Micah, we'd love to have you up here, but he goes, here's my problem. He had, he'd given Mike and Mark bills who are two outstanding runners two of the best right. runners South Dakota ever turned out from Lincoln high school. And they were both state champions in cross country and in track. And they, they were faster than I was. There's no doubt about it. And, and, uh, they, he said that, you know, those guys got scholarships uh, and, you know, full rides. Right. And I wasn't surprised by that at all. And, and he said, you know, as a coach, I, I only have so many scholarships I can work with and I have to spread them out, not only with distance runners, but field events, sprinters, hurdlers, sure. you know, the whole track team. 
And so, you know, if I just give all my scholarships to distance runners, we're not going to do very well in track because then I'm just counting on walk-on guys. You know, I can't give the good athletes scholarships. And he, and he kind of pointed out, he said, but my dad had, had health issues. My dad had bypass surgery, uh, had a heart attack in 1972. This is 1975 uh, now. So he'd been put on disability. And, you know, it was really hard on my dad because he was such a hardworking man. He, we ran a dairy farm and he also was a plumber. So the guy worked about 14 hours a day. You know, he'd get up and milk yeah. cows at five in the morning Get done with that. Go work eight hours as a plumber. He was a union man, and he, he always had jobs building hospitals and dormitories at colleges and stuff. Come home, do chores. I mean, he made a good life for us kids and and just hard work. He was just a right. hardworking guy. But he was on disability now. He started getting Social Security because he couldn't work. And even I think I got a check because as a, a dependent of sure. somebody on disability, and I never saw that you know, the money was used for my folks to live with and stuff. And so I qualified for quite a bit of financial assistance because of need. Yeah. And so I remember Jay saying, you know, if it makes you feel any better, you can just tell them you're getting, you're getting assistance from South Dakota State. You don't have to say it wasn't with the athletic department. Right. You know, because it's, it's kind of like my pride was like, well, I deserve, well, no, you don't deserve anything. You know, if the coach wants you and he's got the ability and he's, you know, and I really felt Jay did want me to go there, but unfortunately he just wasn't in a position that he could, uh, he could give me a lot, any aid, any aid. But because of the financial assistance, I was able to go there. And so I, I did. And I have no regrets. I, I wanted to go there. And I think he, he probably knew it. And I'm, I'm going to cut, you know, this story pretty short. We, we had some great teams before, even before you got there, Dick. And in our freshman year, we had four freshmen who made varsity. The Bills brothers, me, wow. and a kid named Mark Hillstrom out of Sioux Falls, Washington. We had one sophomore, Randy Fisher, who was my roommate. We had one junior. A, a guy named Jeff Herman, who was an All-American runner, and we had a senior named Pat Tobin, and he was out of Minnesota, and he had been a junior college transfer from a really good college. Oh, what's the good co junior college in Michigan? That turns out a lot of good. Uh, oh, yeah, you know, and I th we'll think of it later. It doesn't matter. So you know, we had a really young team, and and we 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 worked hard. Jay Jay was a great coach, and. And I always remember this about Jay, you know, he didn't have any training rules. You know, when high school, if they caught you drinking beer yeah. or, you know, <laughs> heaven forbid, smoking a cigarette, you're right. off the team. I mean, there was no right. arguing about it. Nobody got a lawyer. Your folks weren't going to come to your defense. No. I mean, you were, you were taking your life into your hands if you wanted to take those kind of risks. But, you know, I got to be, I was 17 when I went to college. And at 18, you can drink at, in South right. Dakota. You can drink uh, well, three Well, you could back beer. in Minnesota then, yeah. too. And so I remember he, he, you know, we had started the season, and, and he, uh, he said to us, you know, you guys are here now in college, and I'm not going to, you know, if you go drinking beer and stuff, that's on you. I, yeah. I'm not going to tell you you can't. But he said, let me just put it this way. He said, you know, I know how good of runners you guys are and how good you want to be. You know, he knew what was in our hearts. And he goes, and I know how hard you're going to work because he's our coach and he knew. Right. And we were willing to do whatever he had said, jump off that wall over there. We would all lined up and jumped off the wall because sure. we trusted him with our athletic careers. And he said, I, I know how good you want to be. I know how, how hard you're going to work. And he said, I can't imagine why you'd want to go out and do something that would be counterproductive to those goals. You know, like staying out late, drinking. Yeah. You know, I never had, I wouldn't have smoked a cigarette if you put a gun to my head, but right. you know, you're going to get those temptations and that's on you. If you want to do it, you're free to do it, but 
you know, he kind of reminded us, you know, what, what, what's your goals? What's your motivation? Why are you here? And you're responsible for yourself now. And I really respected that. You know, he took all the fun out of it because he <laughs> laid the responsibility on us. Good and, you him. know, he trusted us to do whatever we thought was right. And I don't, you know, we didn't betray that trust. And so, you know, our freshman year, we struggled because we were really trying to adapt to college life, going to school and all this. And we, we had our ups and downs. We had, our down was our college, South Dakota State, had never lost a dual cross-country meet to the University of South Dakota, our arch wow. rival. Never in the history of, they'd been wow. competing against each other for like 30 years since like the, I don't know, the 30, the 50s or whatever. And they had a great team uh, that year in 1970, the fall of 75. And, and they came to South Dakota State to our home course and we dueled them. And the people, I, I'm not kidding, the, the kids came out and supported us. It was the I old bet. golf course on the north side of the campus. Coaches were there. I mean, this was a big deal. And I remember seeing the SDSU guys when I was in high school and they had these awesome blue warmups that zippers on the legs. They were yeah. kind of like, they were tight. I mean, they're, these guys looked like they were made out of steel. And I remember leaving the HPR center my freshman year with our team of seven guys run into the course as a group with those warmups on. I mean, we, I felt like a superhero I going bet. to battle. Well, I anyway, bet. we lined up in the, and I tell you what, the tension on that starting line, it's a dual meet. You know, it's no, it's not like, but I tell you, it's USD and SDSU. Yeah. And the crowd was going nuts. I mean, the people were cheering. They had their cheering section. We had our cheering section. Five mile race, gun goes off, and man, it is just tooth and nails. It's a, it's a freaking, it's a war. And, you know, we got beat on our home course for the first time ever no. by one point. No, oh my goodness. One point. You know, we all crossed the finish line, and, you know, we each had our own, you know, you kind of know, I was like fifth man that day, top five score. And I got beat by a USD runner named Rusty Molstead. Rusty was a great kid. I think he was out of West River, like Sturgis area or something like that. Good guy. And he and I and Pat Tobin, we were the fourth. Pat and I were fourth and fifth runners. Mike and Mark Bills and Randy Fisher were our one, two, and three runners that race. And Pat and I were dueling with this Rusty Molstead towards the last mile of the race. And Jay was out there and Jay could do the math in his head. He was doing, <laughs> and he looked at Pat and I said, you have to, you have to beat that guy, you know, cause he was like their fifth guy. Sure. And, and I remember looking over at Pat Tobin and Pat was my t captain, team captain. I'm a freshman and he, and, and we're dying. I mean, you're doing the best you can. And, right. and, and Rusty most had like a gap on us, like five meters or whatever. And I remember Pat said, Mike, I can't, you got, you got to, I can't get him. I, I like, he just told me he ain't going to catch that guy. And I didn't catch him either. And Rusty beat us both. We got beat one, one point. If either one of us had passed Rusty Molstead in the last mile, the results would have been the other way around. We would have oh. won by one point. Wow. And so, you know, you kind of look at, I didn't look at how the other guys did. Mike Bills was our number one runner. Mike was outstanding. Three-time All-American. He got beat by Dan O'Brien that day. And if Mike would have beat Dan that race, that would have turned it around by one point. They oh finished first and second. So you, you, we each had to carry, you each carry your own responsibility. You each carry your own load. Right. Now we're there helping each other, but you can't pick your buddy up and throw him across the finish line no. to get him there any faster. And, you know, it was a tough loss. But we all, you know, Jay didn't let us rest for these races. We trained through them because we had bigger goals. The you bigger bet. goals at the end of the season. 
And we took it stoically. You know, we, you hold your head up. You did, you know, and I think Jay knew, and I think we all knew, did you run at your your best potential that day? Yeah. And if you honestly said you did, go to bed that night, get your rest, get hold up your the head next high. morning, go out. We're going to start, and we'll keep training. And and we did that, and we, we were heading towards the end of the season. And our um, back in those days, to go to the National Division to me, you didn't have to qualify. You just went. Oh. It was in Irvine, California. Now we're in Brookings, South Dakota. That's a heck of a trip. You ain't driving that one. We drove to most cross country no. meets in the Midwest. All night driving trips were not unusual, but you ain't driving to California. The athletic director, Stan Marshall, told Jay Dirks, and he goes, You know what? You guys, and this is my kind of take on it. Your team's young, you're pretty inexperienced. You got beat by USD. First time ever in our school history. Right. And he goes, and Jay told us, now Jay might have been playing a psychological game with us, or no, I think he's probably honest. He said, if you guys don't win the North Central Conference meet, we're not going to send you to the Nationals. Now, you know, to go to the National meet's kind of the highlight of year. It's what we've been right. training for. And not only that, it's at Disneyland. Irvine, oh California. We could go to Disneyland. I'd never been out of the state of South Dakota. I've been to Minnesota. I've been to the Twin Cities. That's a far... And so when Jay told us that, he goes, you guys, if we don't win the conference meet, they're not going to send us to nationals. And uh, it was kind of like, wow. You know, and USD had this great team that beat us one-on-one. -on -one. And then you had to right. run up against Mankato. And, and uh, there were other North Central College schools besides oh, yeah, just good us teams. two. Yeah, we had like eight colleges. And the meet was in Fargo, uh, North Dakota State, Holmes course. And uh, so we said, okay, you know, we went up there and uh, – Long story short, um, they uh, USD only had five really good runners, and they lost one of their top guys to an injury. And we had a pretty good depth. I mean, I was like our fifth guy, and we had Mark Hillstrom, and we had Jeff Herman. Jeff had been, hadn't trained real well that season, and he wasn't in our top five, but he was coming on getting stronger as the races went on. So we had some pretty good guys. If yeah. one of us fell by the wayside, we had a couple guys that could pick up the slack. Well, they didn't, and they lost one of their top five guys. And Rusty Molstead... I'm, I'm not telling you to break. I, I, we, him and I were at the, and I think, um, I'm trying to think who else was there. Mark Bills, Mark Bills and I took off and we, we, we beat Rusty. The guy who we should have beat, I wished I would have bought at the duel and we won the conference. We won nice. the conference meet. And I tell you what, I crossed the finish line and Jay Dirksen was at the end of the shoot, you know, as you go through the end. And I'll never forget this. He picked me up by the, under my arms and spun me around like a little rag doll. And if he, if he didn't let me go, I would have shot off into space. I mean, Jay was ecstatic. I mean, because I think in his mind, you know, we had taken... We're going to Disneyland. Oh, we're going to Disneyland. <laughs> I never thought, should I came up with that one? And uh, But he was so proud. We had taken some really hits. And, and even in the press... Remember the, the the local sports writers were kind of down on us, you know, because U.S. Uh, South Dakota State had this great tradition. We were like letting them down, and the fact that we rose to the occasion, uh, you know, it's one of my favorite memories of my awesome. running career. And then we went to nationals, and it was at Irvine, and it didn't run well. We got ninth, and you know, I think looking back, it was probably uh, Mike Bills missed All American by like three or four places. He could have been a four-time All American. Wow! And he missed just by a little bit. Mike ran. Mike always rose to the occasion at the big meets, and so did Mark. And uh, I did not have a great race. I was I was in our top five finishers, and I don't have a. We finished ninth as a team, and we, you know we were good. We felt good about our efforts. We went to Disneyland. I went to, it was the first time we'd ever went to the ocean. And I remember Jaws, the movie Jaws had just right. come out like that summer. 
Yeah, none of us would go into water like over our ankles. Because being from South Dakota, it's like, man, I ain't get that's I can't even see the other side of this lake. You know, I've, yeah, ne- right. I've never been in a body of water. I couldn't have swam to shore. And exactly. it's like, well, anyway. So, you know, those days at South Dakota State, that's how I, you know, we got started before you got there. And uh, the whole thing was um, we, uh, I, I also wanted to run a marathon. You know, um, Jay was a marathoner and he trained us like marathoners. We did 20 mile runs every Sunday in cross country season, uh, pretty much right up to the conference meet. I think that weekend before the conference meet, we cut it back to a 15 miler, you know, six days before the, the conference meet. Yeah. And so we were just, re- I was ready for a marathon. And so I went down to Topeka, Kansas. I was 18 years old, ran my first marathon with Pat Tobin, my team captain. We ran the whole way together and we just ran. I said, Pat, my goal is to finish this thing. He goes, me too. And I said, my goal, if it's really a great day and the weather, I'd like to run six minute miles. He said, me too. And I said, well, that's our goal. We don't care if we finish and if we could run six minute miles, we'd be ecstatic. And we did. We finished third. We tied together for third place, ran 233 and change. The winner ran 231, a guy named Jerome Howe, who was a sub four minute miler. And he had showed up just, I think he was just running his first marathon, ran 231. And so, I mean, I was like, we finished that race. I, and it was a four mile, a four loop course, six and a half miles. Each loop came out to 26 miles and every loop we ran faster. So we paced it, we negative split it. So, I mean, we, we, it's our first marathon. So we said, well, let's not go out and, and and do like Dick Beardsley did and and die the last eight miles (laughs) and regret ever doing this. But we kept getting a little faster, a little faster. And we finished, you know, and finished third. I went back the next year as a 19 year old, ran the same course with Randy Fisher. Now, Randy is my roommate and Randy went on to be a 219 marathoner. So we turned out, you know, between Randy and I, and, yeah. and we, we claimed Dick as one of us. And uh, Randy went, ran his first marathon at Topeka, Kansas. And I it was my second. And we ran, we won the race, tied again and ran a 229 wow. and changed 229.20. And I'm going to blow my own horn. But I remember uh, Runner's World used to list like top 10, and it was like nine, uh, 16 to 19 year olds, top 10, 20 to 25 year olds. They kind of did it in age groups. And I finished, I ranked 10th in the country for 19 and, and 16 to 19 wow. year olds. And I tell you, one of the proudest days of my life was to read my name in Runner's World magazine. I, I mean, that's, that's like a now, Dick, you've been on the cover of Runner's World magazine. No, that was a long time ago. I was happy to have my name on there. Well, anyway, and so kind of wrapping this up, you know, uh, I got hurt. <laughs> this will come as a shock, but, you know, we ran indoors on this track at South Dakota State in the, in the it was called the Hyper Center, the Health, Physical, Education, Recreation Center. And the track, and Dick has seen it, it's basically a D-shaped track. Yeah. You have a straightaway, corners. and then think of the letter D with a curve connecting the straightaway. But between that curve and that straightaway is probably, I don't, it's not a 180 degree corner, but it's not much less than that. No. And it was 200 meters around. And so we'd go up there in the wintertime and do intervals and run races. And, um, you know, it was, it was hard track to, it was kind of hard on your body because you'd crank around those corners. And I had a great indoor season. I won like three races. I ran a, you know, I'm not bragging, but as an 18, as an 18 year, I was 17 still. And I'd ran 930, 9.41 in, in high school. In my first race at college, I ran, I remember I ran 9.18 for two miles. Wow. Yeah, so I dropped a you know, chunk. I ran two three-mile races indoors, and I went through the two-mile mark in 
I was going through the two mile mark on three mile races faster than I could run two miles all within like four or five months. And it was because of the training I'd been going through with Jay Dirksen sure. in, in college. And just that whole mindset that you're not in high school anymore. And I, I actually won a two mile in 917 at St. Olaf at their college. Oh, yeah. So I'd won like, I won like three races and my foot was bothering me on an indoor track at South Dakota State. And I remember running on it and it, I felt something give and I got a, a, a stress fracture of my second metatarsal, took me out for the rest of that track season, indoor and out. Very disappointing. Came back as a sophomore um, and uh, had to have knee surgery, believe it or not. And uh, ran about 200 miles that summer after knee surgery in April. I had a torn meniscus in my knee. And so barely got in shape for uh, cross country and uh, made the varsity. And we went to the, the conference meet and I got uh, strep throat. Oh, my geez. girlfriend, who's now my wife, the week that uh, I was getting ready to go to conference meet, I, uh, she called me up. I think it was in the dorm room. And she goes, hey, I hate to tell you this, but I got strep throat. And about the next day I called her up and goes, I said, guess what? So do I. <laughs> and I don't know where I got that from. Yeah. Anyway, and so I tried to run the conference meet and I was sick. I had strep throat. And Jay said, look, Mike, um, do the best you can because we can't bring anybody up from the JVs that's probably going to do any better. And I ended up, and I'm, I shouldn't laugh at this. I ended up not DNFing. I dropped out of a cross country race. It's like five miles and I was a hurt unit. I couldn't finish the race. I'm sure. I, I went to Jay that next Monday and I said, look, nationals are next week in, in um, uh, Springfield, Illinois. I don't know if I'm going to be any better. Springfield, Missouri, excuse me. And I said, I don't think I'm going to be, you know, I might be over this, but I'm not going to be in good enough shape. Why don't you take one of the other guys? And he goes, Mike, you're a sophomore. He goes, you still got two more years ahead of you. I want you to go for the experience. He goes, I'm not going to put any pressure yeah. on you. And I went, didn't finish in our top five. I was probably our seventh runner, if I remember right. We ended up fifth as a team. And that just kind of shows you our depth. They took me out of the equation. They, we did better than I did as a freshman. So we moved up to fifth place at the national meet. And then uh, uh, that led into our junior year. It's, it's kind of getting close to when you were about ready to show up. And so uh, I don't know where we're at here on this as far as time goes, but I think this might be a nice spot. I think after we, we're going to stop here and, and kind of uh, let's recoup here a little bit. So Dick and I finished high school. I looked forward to college. I was ready to go. I was committed. I wanted to be the best runner I ever could be. Dick finished high school. Wasn't sure he was ever going to run again <laughs> or competitively. Just happened to fall into a situation at the school he was interested in attending for academics, if nothing else. Had a good coach and a program, and that just kind of kept your, I don't know, kept that fire, that ember burning, I guess you'd have to say. Absolutely. And then towards the end of your junior college career, the fire got a little bigger. You know, I think with those track events that you obviously, uh, outstanding performances, and then running a, you know, a national class marathon. I mean, back in the day, in the 70s, if you're running the low 230s, yeah. you can be considered a national class runner at that point. So... I'm guessing that kind of made you think maybe a little more about, I don't know, how did you, we're going to end with this last little tidbit, hopefully a little, little taste for next time. How did you ever hear about South Dakota State? How did you get connected to South Dakota State? So, and quickly here. So my senior, not senior, but my last year of cross country at Wasika, we came over and ran the South Dakota State University Invitational cross country meet. And so, Coach Folkrod knew Coach Underwood, and they talked, and, and then 
Coach Underwood I, apparently had a chance to see me run that and was talking to Coach Fulcrod, so um, it just kind of all started to come into place after that. All right, so it was the two coaches. I don't know how, and you know, yeah, they know each other. I guess we're going to get Coach Underwood on this podcast someday, and we'll get the inside scoop. How did he ever, you know, get connected with you? Yeah, and uh, like I said, he's he definitely uh, got a few wrinkles and gray hairs because of it. But, but, but I think it, it turned out okay in the, in the yes, picture. Did. Well, Beards, I can't believe, I feel like we've been talking for about 10, 15 minutes here, and I think we're approaching an hour. Yes, And I don't know done. if anybody out there is still listening to this. If not, hopefully we help put you to sleep, you know, and you can, you can and, and use this for future needs if it found it boring. But I tell you, every time I talk to you, Dick, I get, uh, I get pumped up. In fact, I'm heading out to work out right now and, um, uh, I can't wait to get out there. Every time I talk with you, I think you said it was the same way with Coach Squires. 10 o'clock at night, don't call me so, low, so right. late, Coach. I can't go to bed now because you're all jacked up. And well, you that's and Karen have a good, uh, good bike ride out there, Don. All right. And you're heading to Oklahoma. Uh, yep. Have a great time. Oh, say hi to Bill and Joni for me. I sure will. <laughs> I'm sure they remember. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Beards, have a great day and, and safe travels. I look forward to seeing you next time. You too, buddy. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.